What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Thank you for tuning in. It is Friday, May 6th, 2022. I almost forgot the date. Yes, yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. So happy Cinco de Mayo, belated Cinco de Mayo to everyone out there. I want to once again take the time to apologize, as I always do when I miss an episode. Last week was the NFL draft. So I'm going to apologize, but not really, because I was totally locked in and I did not have time to do an episode of the show because my New York Jets had two picks in the top 10, the New York Giants as well. So there was a lot going on in the tri-state area in terms of the Jets and the Giants. And as a diehard Jets fan, I was not about to miss this. I got to see the two Jets picks. I stayed up until about number 22 or so. I was ready to wait up for the Cowboys pick, but I said, you know what? I'm going to just wait until the morning. I'm going to go to bed right now. So I went to bed. Uh, I think I want to say like 1030-ish or so. To my pleasant surprise, I woke up. The Jets traded back into the first round. Of course, we know now by now it was for Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. I just found out today, actually, that he was featured on Last Chance U. He went to, he happened to go to a JUCO, a junior college out in, in the middle of Kansas that had less than 10,000 people in the town. And they were uh, they were featured on th uh, season three, I believe, of Last Chance U. And he wasn't really about the spotlight. He was there, you know, for football reasons to move on to a bigger and better things. So uh, he didn't really have a big role in the show when approached, but still very cool to go from Juco to a first round pick in the NFL. The Jets had him as a top 10 pick. And if things shook out differently, they were going to take him with that number 10 pick. So very excited about my New York Jets. And, um, Let's just see. They they got a good grade by most experts in A. They had one of the better drafts by most on most accounts. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how it pans out through the offseason. You know, Zach Wilson, everything's going to hinge on him. Makai Becton, uh, we'll see. So so it should be fun. That was a fun weekend uh, with the entire NFL draft. And congratulations to those of you that were drafted, as well as the unsigned free agents that were not drafted and that were picked up by teams. Hopefully you can make it. Um, on, you know, out of, out of spring camp and, and get on a roster. So uh, without further ado, let's jump in. All right, we're going to start off. Um, I'm going to start from the top and work my way back. This this week's on this week's episode just feels like one of those weeks I want to start from the most recent news and work my way back. So let's start with the most obvious. Um, it's raining horribly here in New Jersey. It's going to rain all weekend. Luckily, we didn't have any scheduled um, softball games, so we'll just have practice in the morning ahead of uh, next weekend's playoffs. But um, I'll be inside most of the day. Um, so yeah, cancel all your plans. Baseball games, Major League Baseball games have already been canceled throughout the country tonight. Um, there's a couple games on Apple TV+, Plus: White Sox, Red Sox, and then Mariners and Rays. I'm not really intrigued by that. Um, but there's there's still some, some games on. Set your fantasy team lineup accordingly. But since you won't be going outside because of this rain for the most part, I have a full slate of sporting events on that, that will keep you company, starting with baseball. There will be 46 games over three days, including today. Of course, some of those games were have been canceled, so we'll figure out when they're going to do, you know, make those up with double headers and such. I don't think it'll be this soon. Um, you've also got uh, Cardinals Giants Saturday at 7.15 and Mets Phillies Sunday at 1.35. Speaking of baseball, I mean, honestly, how about them Mets? Last night, they were losing. The Yankees weren't on. It was a slow night of sports. And I swear, um, one of my buddies that's a, I have a few Mets fans, buddies of mine, and they were talking earlier in the day about, you know, what a different feel this is to this team with Buck Showalter, et cetera. And then I'm like, they finally, you know, they open their mouth and then, of course, the Mets crap the bed and they're getting smoked. It's like five, nothing, seven, nothing, seven to one. And going into the ninth inning, it was seven to one, seven to one. And the Mets pulled out the improbable. 
And Brandon gets the curve and lines it in the center field. A base hit in his canna. Here's Jankowski. He scores and the Mets have tied it. Brandon Nimmo with a two-run single. The Mets have scored six times in the top of the ninth to tie this game at seven and seven. What a rally. And Starling unloads one deep left center. Back to the warning track goes Herrera near the wall. It's off the base. Here's Nimmo around third. He'll come in to score, and the Mets take the lead. Unbelievable. Starling Marte with his third consecutive hit. Drives in the go-ahead run with a double. And the Mets with seven runs in the ninth lead it eight to seven. They would finish up that game with an 8-7 win. Edwin Diaz was perfect again in the ninth. The Mets recently just threw a combined no-hitter as well. So they're rolling on all cylinders. They do not have the best record in baseball. That, of course, goes to my New York Yankees, who had their 11-game winning streak snapped in a 2-1 ball game the other night. Aaron Boone was thrown out of that game. So I would not go as far as to say the Yankees are the best team in baseball or the Mets are the best team in baseball right now. Mets have potential. They could be the best team in baseball. You never know with the Mets. You just never know. Um, But they will never hold that top spot in my eyes until I see them get Jacob deGrom back and a healthy Jacob deGrom. I mean, it's possible Jacob deGrom misses this entire season. So everything hinges on him, what they do at the deadline, et cetera. Same with the Yankees. But right now, Yankees and Mets are both rolling. It, it's a New York sports town now, baby. We've got the Rangers in the playoffs in the NHL. You've got the Yankees and the Mets rolling. Um, Yankees are the top team in, in the power rankings right now with the best record in baseball. So it's fun. The Mets, um, you know, this is a fun bunch. I'm hearing on Sports Talk Radio, everybody's saying, you know, Buck Showalter brings a different level of calmness and, and and smarts to the game, you know, and he's a great one of the top managers in baseball and this and that. And, and that's all well and good. And, uh, you know, we're 25, 26, 27 games in, whatever it is. And all you can hope for is that the Yankees and the Mets keep on keeping on. Uh, it's been it's been a very very fun start for both teams. The Mets are have not lost a series all season long, and I don't believe they've lost two games in a row. And the Yankees, of course, had a little bit of a slow start starting the season five and five. They lost two of three to Baltimore to open it up, but since then they have just been on fire. All right, we've also got the NHL playoff. Oh, no, excuse me. Before I get to that, I want to stick with baseball. One important note. Last night, Carlos Correa was hit on the hand, and it is feared that he broke his right middle finger. Um, X-rays showed a potential non-displaced fracture of his right middle finger. He actually might, this might've happened on Wednesday. The X-rays were yesterday. So he is going to miss some time. Um, that's a big blow. The Twins were one of those surprising teams. I think they're like 15 and 10. Um, so that's going to hurt. We'll have to see how much time he misses. Could be a month, could be longer. Okay, we've also got the NHL playoffs, which feature 12 games across three days, including a TNT TBS quadruple header. That is tonight. Okay, um, NBA playoffs are, are tonight. Uh, tomorrow and Sunday, including Celtics Bucks game three. That will be three thirty tomorrow. Um, the Bucks got the better of the Celtics. I think one hundred one to eighty nine in game one, but then the Celtics came right back in game two. Jalen Brown with thirty points, Tatum with twenty nine, and they smoked the Bucks. So this is a very even series. Game three tomorrow on ABC. That should be good. And then you've got another very even and chippy series in Grizzlies Warriors game three. That tomorrow night at 8.30. Um, I'll get into all these games, these series. I'll break them down in just a little bit. And then finally, of course, what what gets better than, there's nothing better than this. You've got the 148th Kentucky Derby at 6.57 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. Mattress Mac, the one and only, the guy that just bets and loses. Well, 
There's another guy apparently that does that too. But Mattress, Mattress Max said he's putting four million on the favorite. I haven't looked up what horses are in this, all that, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, that's on tomorrow night. And then, speaking of what I just spoke to, um, spoke on with the gambling, according to an excerpt from Alan Shipnick, Shipnick's forthcoming biography of Phil Mickelson, which is scheduled to be released on May 17th. That is significant. It's it's my brother's birthday, but it is also the PGA Championship, which Phil Mickelson won a year ago, I believe, but also um, has not indicated whether he's playing in that. Of course, still blowback from all the comments he said about the Saudi League and yada, yada, yada. But according to this excerpt from Alan Shipnick, Phil Mickelson lost over $40 million in gambling between 2010 and 2014. Oh my God. You might not think that's a lot in, in terms of Phil Mickelson type of money since, um, you know, it's always been Tiger Woods number one, Phil Mickelson number two in earnings yearly with endorse this and that. But if you dive deeper into this, it doesn't look like Phil Mickelson was really making as much money as you would think. But I mean, talk about a gambling fiend. This man would make bets, you know, on the golf course, left, right, and center. And, and they were talking about it this morning that Augusta National, like they would not let him play until he paid his debts. Like he would be making bets with, you know, $50,000 bets with, with, I guess, uh, you know, member members of the club and and just all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, sounds a lot to me like, you know, Michael Jordan with his gambling or John Daly. John Daly used to go to Vegas and he would go to the slots and he would get six he would get six hundred thousand dollars in credits or, or or whatever. And then he would play the slot machines and he would play five thousand dollar spins. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's why you see John Daly like is broke, is broker than broke. But but um, yeah, just incredible, incredible. I cannot wait for this book to come out because I absolutely will be picking it up myself and reading it because I am fascinated by this. I'm a gambling man myself. Um, and if hey, if I was raking in hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever, you know, Phil Mickelson is making, I, I hate to say it, but I would probably be gambling also. Um, not on this level. Pro well, I can't say not on this level. I don't know the level that he's betting, but I would just say this. I would not be losing $40 million in four years. I mean, what kind? that's $10 million a year he's losing in gambling. How bad of a gambler are you? Like, what are you betting? Are you betting these members at Augusta, like giving them, f you know, 50 strokes on you? Like I, like, I don't understand, like, what type of bets you're doing that you're just losing this much. Like, you got to cut back, my guy. Jesus, and I'm a Mickelson fan. All right, uh, let's talk a little NHL playoffs update. Some scores from first round action. You had the Rangers over the Penguins 5-2 to two last night. They even that series at one apiece. The Panthers 5, Capitals 1. That series is tied at one apiece. The Stars beat the Flames 2-0. That series is tied at one apiece. Um, the other series going on, let me just pull that up on my phone because I'm not well-versed in the NHL. You've got the Hurricanes. They're the one seed. They're up 2-0 on the Bruins. You've got the Maple Leafs and Lightning tied 1-1. The Wild and Blues are tied 1-1. The Oilers and Kings are also tied one apiece. All those games I just mentioned on tonight. Okay, let's talk a little NIL action, name, image, and likeness in the the, the ranks of college sports. Texas running back, read this today, Bijan Robinson is set to drive a Lamborghini around campus after announcing a partnership yesterday with the Lamborghini dealership in Austin. Unfreaking believable. This dude is going to be driving a Lamborghini, a Lambo, around the University of Texas. That is ridiculous. Um, and it's probably probably more than that. He's probably getting money as well um, to endorse that, like just re for them to endorse him. It, it's just holy, holy moly, man. I, I just, it's it's getting out of hand. And th this is not the first. This is, there's a long list of players signing near million dollar deals and receiving similar incentives. It's absolutely ruining college sports. You have 
the number one um, wide receiver in the country from a year ago, the guy Addison from um, from Pitt. Now, you know, now that Kenny Pickett's gone, this guy just thinks he's worth he's worth millions of dollars. So he's he's joining. He he's entering the transfer portal, and he's there was rumors he was going to USC before he even entered the portal. It's just hand over fist. This stuff it is. It used to be you know handshake deals behind closed doors and illegal stuff. Now it is all out in the open and big time. You know, Lambo dealerships and agents and this and that are lining up to give out these endorsements and say, hey, I'll give you an endorsement if you go to this school. If you go to my alma mater, I'll give you a Lambo. Just come to my school. Like, it's just, it's out of control. And that's why you're seeing players, you know, when it's their first transfer, they are now eligible to play immediately. They don't have to sit out. So they're, you know, they're, they're using that success at a big time, at a, you know, a big school. And they're capitalizing off that, success that they had in their, you know, run to the elite eight or whatever in, in, you know, this St. Peter's sake, um, with Eddard and all those guys and getting their Buffalo wild wings deal and whatnot, Doug Eddard. And they're capitalizing off that and saying, okay, now I can jump ahead and I could transfer and I could go to a bigger division one school. And now I could be making even bigger deals, endorsement deals and, and NIL deals, because the chances of me going pro are not that high. So I'm going to, you know, cash in on this. Now I'm going to take, take care of my family and I'm going to uh, get that money. So this is what's happening and it's not good for the sport at all, but it's, it's a moving train and you better get on because it ain't stopping. And if you don't get on, the train has left the station and it's leaving you behind. All right, let's talk a little Shohei Otani. I'm not the biggest of fans. I'm not the biggest fan of Shohei's, but uh, I can't deny the superstardom that he brings to baseball. Uh, he struck out 11 batters and seven scoreless yesterday in an 8 nothing win over the Red Sox. The best moment of his day came at the plate. I would have pulled the audio, but it's 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 not that great. Um, he hits a line drive double off the left center field monster, well, off the monster, and actually knocks his number off the monster, off the, you know, the manual scoreboard there. Uh, just ridiculous. Um, he hit third to go along with pitching, uh, striking out 11 batters. I don't know. I don't have here how many innings he threw, but that, that doesn't really matter. He batted third. The first time a starting pitcher has hit in the top four spots of the order since Babe Ruth. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is a very, very big deal. Uh, trust me. Okay, let's talk a little bit of golf real quick. Sergio Garcia hit a wayward tee shot on number 10 at the Wells Fargo Championship yesterday, which ended up ruled out, ruled as out of bounds, even though he found the ball. A rules official declared Garcia had used up the time limit to find the ball three minutes, which prompted Sergio to go off. It was caught on camera. He said, I can't wait to leave this tour. Can't wait to get out of here. A couple more weeks and I won't have to deal with you anymore, he said. Um, yeah, he's talking about leaving for the Saudi-backed league. Um, so basically what happened was I guess he hit his ball. It went like over this water bridge, whatever. He had to go over there. And the guy started the clock before he even got across. So by the time he got there and found his ball, the three minutes had passed and he was assessed the penalty. It just takes the fun out of the game. Like, why are we assessing a penalty on, on, on stuff like this? It just, it's ridiculous. Some of this stuff um, that I've seen, I've seen penalties assessed to players because fans watching at home see something that is illegal that the officials in person do not see or miss and they phone it in and then they go back and assess the penalty and I've seen guys lose championships because of this. It's just, what are we doing here? What are we doing? All right, let's get back to playoff basketball in a move that should surprise no one. The NBA suspended Grizzlies guard Dylan Brooks for game three of Memphis Golden State uh, that's tomorrow night due to his absolute haymaker he laid on Gary Payton on Tuesday night. By now, you've all seen it, but I will play it for you right here in case you missed it. It was 
less than three minutes into the game. Take a listen. The seal. Peyton, right down the middle. He's fouled hard. And Peyton's in pain. He's grabbing the left arm. It was right at the end. Morant grabbed him initially, then Brooks got there late with the swipe, and he clubbed him on the side of the head. And the awkward land. Yeah, so um, he lands on his elbow. It was it was nasty looking. Peyton ended up with a fractured elbow, in fact, and will miss at least three weeks, which, barring a miracle, you know, should Golden State make a run to the finals and it go deep, um, his season is over, and that's a tough blow because he's a very good defender, and you saw as soon as he went out, John Morant went off for like 48 points, um, but we'll see how much Memphis is affected because Dylan Brooks is their best defender, um, and they they really needed that win to even up the series without with Brooks going out there, so uh, this is a very evenly matched um, series, but it's been very chippy. We saw in game one, Draymond got ejected, and I just want to talk about talk to that for a second because I had a problem with Draymond getting ejected in that game for that foul. Yes, he was going for the ball and he missed and hit him in the face and then he swiped across and he grabbed his jersey and pulled him down. But when he realized what he was doing, he tried to hold him up and even when he fell down, he held him up. They tried to claim that he threw him to the ground. It was just weak. Everybody... All the announcers, everybody said it should have been a flagrant one. And the problem I have with it is when you compare these two plays, one is a guy getting hurt and out for the season and breaking his elbow. And another, there was no injury whatsoever. So to put those on the same exact level and say they're both flagrant twos is absolutely absurd. So um, I remember seeing finals, you know, talk about the, the Lakers and Celtics in the heyday, you know, Kobe and... And, you know, even before that, but with Kobe and different guys and uh, like there was a lot harder fouls than that. And, and, and that, like, come on, we're tossing guys for what Draymond did. Like, I, I'm the first one. I'll be the first one to say that I don't like Draymond either. And he could get old fast. But what what he did was was not warranting, uh, did not warrant an ejection. What Dylan Brooks did did warrant an ejection, and I even said it warrants a suspension, which they handed down. So um, they levied the same penalty without the suspension, but they ejected both of them, which was ridiculous. Um, so anyway, in game two, after Brooks gets ejected and Peyton goes out with the injury, Things get a little heated. Draymond um, got nailed in the eye, like took a nasty elbow to the eye. He had to leave blood running down his face. Um, they were clapping and booing him. And, you know, Draymond, after he was ejected in game one, he was running around the court and smiling and everything. Um, he had this to say after the ejection. I mean, after um, the reaction from the fans in Memphis, this was Draymond's reaction. You're going to boo somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood, you should get flipped off. So I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. But it felt really. So just to speak on this real quick, I forgot to say Draymond flipped the fans off on his way out because they were booing him and whatnot. And he was literally bleeding. Uh, Steph Curry was bleeding in this game as well. They had to stop the game. So he got pissed off that they were booing him and clapping that he that he flipped them off, much like Kyrie Irving did when he was fined 50000 in Boston for flipping off the fans. Um, so this is Draymond talking about, about flipping them off. He was fined $25,000 for this. This was his reaction. To flip them off. You're going to boo someone that get elbowed in the eye and blood running down your face? I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. And I'm... Assuming the cheers was because they know I'll get fine. Great. I made $25 million a year. I should be just fine. Woo-wee. So those are Draymond's words. He's a very polarizing character. You either love him or you hate him. And as JJ Reddick said, um, he has a podcast. People come on his show. They talk. He he has a deal with with Turner Sports, and he goes on there during playoff coverage, other years, and whatnot. Um, he's a well spoken guy. He's a very he's an educated guy. He's a you know he has a chip on his shoulder type of guy because he was drafted in the second round, and he's a very fiery guy. But he does at times take it a little bit too far. However, I'm as competitive as anybody, and I love the pettiness from Draymond. 
He, is he setting a great example for young kids? Not necessarily, but at some point you've got to you got to draw a line in the sand. Okay, Memphis fans are literally booing and clapping him when he's injured, um, which is wrong. That is straight up wrong. And um, so yeah, I don't have a I don't have a problem with him flipping them off as I didn't have a problem with Kyrie Irving flipping off the fans in in Boston. However, what it can do is light a fire under that crowd and under the home team and that's exactly what happened in Boston and that's what happened in this game with Memphis getting the win. I also saw after Draymond came back late in the game, there was a loose uh there was a rebound he was going after. I don't know if it was on a missed free throw or a shot, whatever it was, and Draymond was called for a weak, weak, weak foul. It was a flop. I think it was John Morant. There was barely any contact. It should have been a no call, and they called a foul. That's essentially what iced the game and and what put it out of reach. But the refs gotta do better, man. They really do. Um but but yeah, we'll see. Game game three should be another bloodbath. It should be a great game. I hope we're done with the injuries and the ejections so we can just move on and just play basketball. All right, back to baseball. The Cincinnati Reds. We're about to talk about the worst team in Major League Baseball history. The Cincinnati Reds, for those of you that don't know, they are 3-22. and 22. That puts them on pace for 142 losses this year. They have a minus 87 run differential. The next closest sits at minus 39. It's ridiculous, over more than double. They're batting 203 as a team this year, which is somehow not the worst in the league. Wow. Shout out to the 13 and 13 Diamondbacks who are hitting below 200 as a team and might deserve their own analysis. Uh, seriously, the the... The Diamondbacks are hitting under 200. Somebody's got to like dive into this and figure out what's going on there. Like, how has nobody been talking about this on a larger scale? My goodness gracious, under two. I mean, teams as a whole are are hitting um, average wise. Are it's getting worse and worse every year. But under 200, and you're 500. Ridiculous. Speaking of Diamondbacks, Madison Bumgarner, after like 13 pitches, was ejected after like one inning of play the other day, and it was an afternoon game. He came off the mound. They checked his hand. He had words for the umpire. They went back and forth, and he was quickly tossed. I really still don't know what what that was all about. Um, I just got an alert over my phone. Joel Embiid will play in game three tonight. He could be limited in numbers. Okay, yeah, so um, he was out with that concussion and whatnot, but um, yeah, apparently he's back tonight. I don't know if it's going to matter, but we'll see as the heater up 2-0 in that series. But back to Cincy, they have posted a WRC+, plus, which is an advanced hitting stat that measures offensive performance, then adjusts for park factors and league averages of 67 that is 13 points worse than the second best team at 80. League average is 100. Essentially, you know, it's an entire team's worth of number nine hitters. Like, that's literally what we're talking about. Somebody's got to free up Joey Votto, though. That poor man is at the end of his career. I know he's been paid, but he is on one of the worst teams of all time at this point. Like, wow. Oh, and by the way, not only will the Reds probably finish with the worst record in baseball this year, thanks to the new draft lottery, they will not be guaranteed the number one draft pick for finishing in last place. Sadly, the number one pick will probably be Drew Jones, the son of Andrew Jones. I believe he's is still in high school. The Reds just ha have just a 16.5% chance at the first pick if they finish last Identical odds as the second and third worst teams. And we've seen how that draft lottery has screwed teams in the past, like the New York Knicks. And nice segue here with basketball. Ben Simmons. He dealt with, of course, that back pain ahead of a game four return that he was supposed to make for the Nets in the postseason and then did not. He underwent a micro disectomy procedure designed to alleviate back pain from a herniated disc. There is no timetable for his return, and obviously he hasn't played basketball in damn near 11 months, and now he won't play basketball um, for a few more months, and hopefully by next season he'll be ready to go at the start of the season. The Nets are primed if 
these if if Ben Simmons comes back, we, we I don't even know if he'll ever play in a Nets uniform or if they tr- decide to trade him or something. We'll see what happens there. But the Nets will get Joe Harris back, and I think they'll be. I honestly do think they'll be just fine. Um, sticking with the theme of the Nets, Kevin Durant has joined the ownership group of Gotham FC as a minority investor. His 35 Ventures, which he co-founded with his agent, Rich Kleiman, already has stakes in the Philadelphia Union, Just Women's Sports, and Pro Sports League Athletes Unlimited. Okay, a milestone was reached in the managerial ranks with Dusty Baker, the Houston Astros 4-0 victory over the Mariners on Tuesday. And Dusty Baker became just the 12th major league manager to win 2,000 career games. That's significant because he's the first African-American manager to reach that milestone. However, he has still yet to win a World Series title. Came close with the Giants in 02, came close with the Astros a couple years ago, um, but, you know, that World Championship still evades him. So is he to be considered one of the best managers of all time. And getting to 2000, he will actually surpass um, a few more guys and he'll get up into at least, uh, he's the 12th now, he'll be at least the 10th or, or, or 9th spot by the end of the season. And, you know, he doesn't have much longer left. So, let you know, let's ride this train and see how far he could take it. Congratulations are due for the Heat's Tyler Hero. He, uh, the guard, won sixth man of the year. He averaged 20.7 points, five rebounds, and four assists per game off the bench. He's been a huge stalwart in the Heat, taking a 2-0 series lead against the Sixers the other night. Uh, he scored, I think, 25 points off the bench. But here's the caveat. Um, I know they game the system a little bit, and he did technically come off the bench every game, um, but he had starters minutes. Like, he wasn't playing 16 minutes a game. He was coming off the bench and playing 25, 30 minutes a game. So is he is he really sixth man of the year? Or, you know, it's, it's kind of eh. But uh, no, no, those are terrific numbers, and it's well-deserved. Um, a little NFL news, and it's not draft-related. Well, kind of. The Saints did not draft a safety, so they needed to fill that void, and they signed... Tyron Matthew, the veteran safety, one of the best in the league. He's returning to his hometown on a three-year, $33 million deal with 18 mil guaranteed. Of course, Matthew was a Heisman finalist at LSU in 2011 and grew up just a few miles from the Superdome. So that's pretty cool. Some unfortunate news, DeAndre Hopkins was suspended six games. The star wide receiver violated the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy, There are no details on what drug he tested positive for, but his absence will 100% be felt. The Cardinals did make a draft day trade for Hollywood Brown. I'm wondering if they they knew this was coming, that uh, that this suspension was coming, so they made the trade. The trade, however, they lost Christian Kirk to the Jags and some other pieces, so they are very thin at the position to begin with. Plus, they're dealing with the whole Kyler Murray situation, and it's just been it's it's not been good. Um. Hopkins did apologize, saying he was confused and shocked when he received the positive test. But really, there's no excuse. If you went to a doctor, per se, and you were sick and they prescribed you something, whatever the case may be, you cannot take anything before going to your team officials, you know, whoever works for your team, and finding out and making sure this stuff that you're taking is approved. Like, when people hear, oh, performance-enhancing drugs, he 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 was taking steroids. No. That could have been anything prescribed. The list is so like intricate now, and, and it could have been something he was taking for a heart condition. You know, it could have been something he was taking for 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 the flu. Like you, you don't know, but that's that that's due diligence. Due diligence. You have to um, do your homework and find out if this stuff is allowed or not. You can't just take something before you find out. Um, it, you know, if it's approved or not. Um. The Oakland A's are an absolute mess right now. On Sunday, the Las Vegas Aviators, that's their the A's AAA affiliate, they hosted the, the Tacoma Rainiers. The attendance for that game was 6,153. That's a pretty pretty decent attendance for for, you know, a uh, a AAA game, right? Well, on Monday in Oakland, 
where the Oakland A's play, you know, the major league team with major league baseball players, you know, the best players in the organization where they play, just 2,488 people showed up to the ballpark to watch the Rays beat the A's 6-1. to Just let that sink in for a second. Their minor, their triple A baseball team, their minor league affiliate, had about almost 4,000 more fans in attendance than they did. Yes, that is absolutely ridiculous, and that is pathetic. The draw on Monday, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago when my buddy went out to California and he went to an A's game and there was like 2,700 people at the game and he said it was awesome and you could hear everybody yelling and this and that. The draw Monday marks the lowest draw of any MLB game this season, obviously. It was also the lowest the A's have seen since 1980. Their payroll is, is 29th in baseball. Attendance is worse and interest is clearly lacking. Meanwhile, the team owners are embroiled in intense negotiations with Oakland and Las Vegas for a new stadium and or relocation. Fans are obviously fed up that they're probably going to leave and follow the uh, Vegas Raiders. So they don't want to go to games. I heard ticket prices are up, concessions, you name it. That's why nobody's really going. It's just, I have never heard of anything in my entire life, a Major League Baseball game, and only 2,500 people basically show up. Wowzers. Somebody's got to do something about this. All right, to a more serious note, I'm going to talk about the James Madison University softball team for just a quick second as a softball coach myself. This just, uh, this hurts as a coach, as a mentor, anybody. Um, this is, this is some sad news. James Madison was the Cinderella story of the college world series last season, making their first ever appearance and proving that just because your Jersey doesn't say Oklahoma, Florida, et cetera, all the big greats, Alabama, that you can, you too can have success, right? But last season seems like a very long time ago. The school announced on April 26th that sophomore catcher Lauren Burnett had died. She had passed away. It has since been released that Burnett took her own life. Originally, they had canceled five games for that week, but they decided after meeting, um, I believe I read today on The Athletic in the comment section of the article, that they are uh, moving into a higher uh, level a division or conference. And because of that, they were most likely not going to be able, uh, they were not going to get an, you know, a bid into the conference tournament. So they decided that the rest of the, of the season, which was those five original and then four more games. So nine total that it was just better off to cancel those games altogether and end their season. They finish with a 21 and 21 record. Um, but it's just a very sad and disturbing story. Burnett, uh, just 20 years old, she hit 336 with 36 hits and nine home runs and had been named the Colonial Athletic Association Player of the Week on April 25th following a strong weekend series. So a day before she took her life, she was winning awards. Uh, it's just wow, 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 wow. Um, And as a freshman in that run to the College World Series, she was catching all those games. She played in a significant amount of games throughout that season, and she played a big part in that run in the College World Series. Um, So this is just devastating, sad. It makes you wonder what would possess somebody having this kind of success, just 20 years old, to take their own life. Um, I can never imagine what that's like, um, no matter how bad things are for me personally. The thought of killing myself or taking my own life has never even crossed my mind. Um, I like to think that I'm a strong-willed, strong, you know, personality, um, type A personality uh, person. And, you know, I'm I'm a competitive person and I have that, you know, never give up mentality. Um, like Jim Valvano always said, um, don't give up, don't ever give up. And, and I, I truly, you know, abide by those by those words. And I, uh, you know, uh, I don't ever take those words for granted because you never know, you know, you could wake up, uh, you know, tomorrow, a year from now, five days from now, a month from now, and 
your your life could turn upside down. You could be, you know, say diagnosed with a terminally ill, you know, disease or or you could, you know, uh, be killed by a drunk driver or there, there's just so many different things in life that can happen to you. And that's why you can never take a single minute or a single day for granted. And we all do, you know, we have our days where we don't want to talk to anybody or we feel like crap or we don't want to go to work or you, whatever, you know, and we feel like things are terrible and things aren't going to get better. But then you go to sleep, you wake up the next day, you get that thing out of the way, whether it's a test or, you know, a job interview or whatever the case may be, right? Um, and life goes on, man. That's just it. These kids have to realize today that life goes on. 20 years old. I can't imagine what was so significant and what was so overwhelming in this girl's life at 20 years old that she felt the need to take her life. It's just so sad. Um, it's obviously um, she was depressed and all these things. There was a girl in my town recently, a couple years older than me. I did not, I didn't know her, but she also passed away the other day. Um, she was going through depression, anxiety, drug abuse, whatever. And yeah, I guess she took her own life or whatever as well. Um, but it, it's crazy to me to think that someone so young, like I'm 29, I'll be 30 in what, two weeks or something like that, less than 20 days. And all I think about is like, damn, I'm like a my my life is like a third over. Like, cause I'll be lucky if I get to like 90, right? Like 90 is a good benchmark. Um, I'm lucky enough to have an, you know, an Italian family that that most of our, you know, relatives live into their 90s. Um and so that's that's my benchmark. I want to live till I'm at least 90. I don't care if I'm an old, miserable, you know what, right? But I just want to live long because that's the type of personality I have. That's the type of mentality I have. I want to outdo everybody. I want to outlive everyone in my family. I want to be the last one standing. And like nothing in my life, I've had, you know, significant things happen in my life, right? I've had, I've been diagnosed with an uncurable disease, although it's not, you know, deadly. I guess it could be if not treated or if you don't take care of yourself with Crohn's disease. Um, I'm 29 years old. I'm 5'4". I'm 120 pounds soaking wet, right? So I've had a lot of things not go my way, but I don't let it stop me. Uh, I don't let it get me down. You know, maybe some days I do. Maybe some days I wonder like, man, if I was, if I was 6'4", 220 pounds, I'd be a, you know, I'd be a point guard in the NBA or I'd be, you know, the next Derek Jeter or whatever. Yeah. Do I have those thoughts? every once in a while. I'm sure everybody does, right? Look at Jose Altuve. He's 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and he plays Major League Baseball and he won an MVP with the Houston Astros, right? So there's just little things that you have to, you have to think about. Not every day is going to go perfectly. There are billionaires, millionaires, you know, you name it, that have bad days. You think Jeff Bezos didn't have a bad day when he had to uh, sign those divorce papers with his ex-wife and give her half of his fortune, which was billions of dollars? I'm sure that was a pretty bad day for Jeff Bezos, right? I'm sure it was a pretty bad day when Donald Trump lost the presidency to uh, little old Joe Biden, who doesn't even know his own name, right? I mean, just there's there's things that go on every single day, but but to think that something is so significant at the age of 20 or even kids that are younger that take their own lives as well, right? Like teenagers that get bullied online. It's all this social media, right? You hear about the social media, this and that, and the bullying. And of course, it's going to be worse for girls because they, there's, you know, this, this spitting image that you have to be skinny like a Barbie and supermodel and tight abs and, you know, big breasts and big butt and all this stuff, right? And you see all these Instagram girls, um, that make all this money and, and only fans now and everything. And I just, it makes you wonder um, if she was going through some of that stuff, body image issues for being a softball player. And, you know, I think she was a little bit, you know, of a huskier girl, a athletic looking girl. Uh, she was a catcher, so she has to be, but she was a, uh, she was one of the best players uh, on her team, just a sophomore, one of the best players in the conference. She had, her whole life ahead of her. 
Uh, and it just makes me wonder, like, obviously, this was something that she had probably been dealing with for a very long time. Depression, anxiety, all this stuff. It doesn't just hit you all at once. Maybe there was a significant trauma in her life that nobody knew about. Um, it's very hard for me to believe that nobody knew about this on the team or at the school or in her family. Uh, maybe she was seeking counseling. Maybe who knows? Um, but whatever happened in her life. um, she felt was too much and overwhelming and she decided to take take her own life and it's just very very sad my you know my my condolences go out to her family to the james madison community to the softball team um it, it's got to be very difficult for them and, and uh, i'm sure they'll be playing for for her next season um uh, with her in in, in you know, in their minds. And uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's very sad. All I can say really is that if, you know, you're thinking about taking your own life or, or, or things aren't going, you know, quite the way you want them to, you know, just walk into a cancer ward, a children's hospital and, and go look at the cancer patients there. You'll have kids from five years old on up that are going through terminally ill diseases. And then you look in the mirror and tell me your life is hard and see what they're going through and then say that your life is hard because your life is nothing compared to them. And I know it feels, you know, you know, it's a disease, you know, being depressed and all this stuff, but there is always treatments. There's always help. You can, you never have to feel like life is too much. There's always somebody out there that cares for you and, you know, that's looking out for you. And this is getting a little sappy, but no, in all seriousness, uh, there's always people out there willing to help. And if you feel like, you know, you're going to do something that you, you, you know, that you're going to regret, like, you know, try to take your own life, go get help. That's the only advice that I can give because it's the most important. Just seek help. Tell somebody what's going on. Talk to somebody. Nothing in life is too much to handle. I, I mean, like I said, no matter what, life will go on. People will move on. People will forget. You name it. One day at a time. That's all it takes. All right. That's all I've got for today's episode. Final thoughts on this date in sports. May 6th, 1998. One of the greatest pitching performances of all time. Kerry Wood of the Chicago Cubs struck out 20 Astros back when the Astros were in the National League tying Roger Clemens' single-game nine-inning strikeout record. Since then, Randy Johnson and Max Scherzer have also added their names to the list of pitchers to record 20 strikeouts in a game, but no one has ever racked up more. And I'll tell you something right now. With the advent of launch angle and hearing that the Diamondbacks are batting under 200, you would think another pitcher will get to that 20 mark or break 20. But guess what? They won't. Because pitchers nowadays don't go over the 100-pitch mark. We had Clayton Kershaw throw seven perfect innings in his first start of the season, and they didn't let him try to throw a perfect game and pitch the eighth and ninth. This is a advent of a new era of baseball. It just doesn't happen anymore. So what can you do? But yeah, that was a sick game. Kerry Wood was one of the one of the greatest pitchers in, in my, you know, growing up when I would watch um, him, Mark Pryor, uh, you know, I kept up with those with those Cubs teams since uh, one of my dad's former players was drafted by the Cubs in the first round. Actually, Dusty Baker was the manager then. He never made it to the big leagues, but um, man, I, I always kept kept an eye, went to spring training, saw some of those guys uh, and, you know, they were a fun team to watch and they got jobbed. And I forget what year that was in the playoffs, but they were so close to getting to that World Series. And then, of course, obviously in 2016, they overcame the curse, winning a World Series. Um, so that was cool. But uh, yeah, that's all I've got um, for this week's episode. Not as many sound bites, but, you know, it's going to be a good weekend. Despite the rain, there should be some really, really good um, sporting events on. And uh, there's some good shows on too. If you're in, if you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, the second season of Tehran 
is is out. The first two episodes came out today. Glenn Close is guest starring in this season, so that should be cool. Um, I'm I'm really into the Shining Girls on Apple TV Plus. Episode four, I believe, is out today. I just finished the book. I actually just bought myself a Kindle this week for the first time because I always read on my iPad, but I've got the iPad Air five now, and it's just a little too bulky and too heavy to hold when I read, and I rather read on a bigger device than my iPhone. So I bought the Kindle Paperwhite and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I'm looking for my next book to read, but which will obviously be that biography on Phil Mickelson when that releases, if I remember to go get that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of TV on. I got to finish Ozark, the final seven episodes, I believe, part two of season four. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I got to catch up on some other stuff, but uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's all I've got. We're under the hour mark, so I'm happy about that. It is about 7.15 or 7.10 here on Friday evening, so I'm ahead of schedule. I'm going to finish uh, up this episode. I'm going to edit it out, uh, post-produce it, and get it up and live so you guys can listen tonight in the morning whenever you, you're you're in the car driving somewhere, etc., and then uh, I'm going to shower and get in bed and and catch up on some of my shows before I go to sleep and wake up for an early early round of practice, which will be indoors because of the rain. And then I'll come home and I'll just sit down and watch sports until that Kentucky Derby is on. So should be a fun weekend despite the rain. Of course, it is Mother's Day weekend. So happy Mother's Day to my mother and to all the mothers out there. Because let me tell you, without you, the world wouldn't operate. So. It's certainly my world w wouldn't operate. So, uh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers out there. I'm the Pody. This has been episode 169 of This Week in Sports. I am signing off. Talk to everybody next week.